Inspirational Breakfast, Premier Christian Radio. Now, you may have heard of mindfulness. That's the practice of staying focused on the, in the present moment. Uh, but perhaps you're wondering whether it fits with your Christian faith. Some Christians have been avoiding it, fearing that it comes from uh, Eastern spiritual roots. But others claim that it saved their life and improved their faith. Well, this morning we're joined by Sean Lambert. He's a senior minister at Stanmore Baptist Church in North London and author of a study of Christian mindfulness called A Book of Sparks. Sounds very interesting. He's going to explore the Christian perspective on mindfulness and how biblical theology faith and practice relate to those ancient practices. Uh, good morning to you, Sean. Morning, John. Morning, Esther. Yeah. Nice to have you nice here to, yeah. with us. And uh, you were saying yourself yesterday, you were listening into our discussion with uh, Tim Lane on, on worrying, which kind of slightly feeds into what we're talking about today. Um, but mindfulness seems to be everywhere. They're teaching it in schools. You know, some GPs are recommending it. Uh, it's written about in a lot of papers. What is it, though? So mindfulness is our universal capacity for awareness and attention. So everyone can be mindful. Uh, we can all be mindless as well. Um, and it's got two main dimensions. The first is mindfulness for health, which is big news. Um, but for Christians, there's mindfulness of God, which should be big news, but isn't yet. And mindfulness of God is the very stuff of the cloths of heaven. It's transformational. It's what enables the lion to lie down with the lamb and all of that. So it's very important that we get hold of it and not afraid of it because it also appears in other faiths like You're going to have to explain that. How yes. does mindfulness enable the lion to lay down with the lamb? What's the connection there? Yeah. Well, if you think of your brain, you have a lion in your brain that if your computer crashes, it roars. You know, um, if a dog barks at you, it roars. But there's also a lamb, um, a calm, peaceful place. But they're also sort of Christian symbols. Um, so through the practice of Christian mindfulness, your brain can become more like the lamb, more like Jesus, uh, which is, I think, the heart of being a Christian. But also that lion, which is very fearful, can become more courageous and more loving and more compassionate. So that's... Uh, you're you're speaking metaphorically. I am. Yeah. So okay. great to have the sort of poetic kind of element of it as well. But um, a lot of this has been scientifically proven, hasn't it? Tell us more about how mindfulness actually affects physical health as well. Yeah. So in Mindfulness for Health in psychology, there's a lot of research uh, that the meditative practices or the mindful awareness practices help with all sorts of mental health conditions. So I have had anxiety, stress, depression, and it's brought me out of that. But chronic pain, um, you know, exam stress, there are so many conditions and also embodied conditions that mindfulness can help. So there's a lot of empirical research about that. But also the neuroscience says that the meditative practices change the structure and activity of our brain for the better. So that's the the evidence, if you like. Okay. And something about breathing patterns as well, different breathing patterns according to our emotions. I'd never heard about that before. Yeah, that's a brilliant one. So every emotion has a particular breathing pattern, which we're not normally aware of. And often, if it's a negative emotion, we're trying to avoid. Um, so in mindfulness, we face the emotion. And when we focus on our breath, which is a sort of one of the meditations we do, what happens is the emotion we're avoiding comes into our awareness. And instead of running away from it, we notice it and then we let it go. And we come back to what it is we're trying to focus on, which is our breath. 
So this is not avoiding difficulty, this is facing difficulty, facing reality. Let's talk a little more in detail about what exactly mindfulness is, because I, I imagine some people listening this morning are still a bit puzzled as mm. to what we're talking about. We're talking about most of us either live in the future or the past, don't we? Yes. We, we, we're either regretting all the problems that we faced in the past and we're thinking about them all the time, or we're thinking, well, tomorrow, or when I get a pay rise, or when mm. I find the person to marry, or <laughs> we're, we're living in the future. Uh, and, and what you're saying, mindfulness is all about just living for that moment. Yes. So I sometimes say to people I can double their lifespan or even quadruple their lifespan. And sometimes people say I don't want that. Sometimes people <laughs> say they do. But the average person is only paying attention in a 16-hour waking day for two hours of those 16 hours. So paying attention to the present moment for two hours. The rest of the time, they're doing what you said, mental time travel. Mm. So if you're age 30 and you've got another 50 years to live, you're only living for six and a bit of those 50 years. 43 and a bit years, you're wasting, Thinking worrying about, about a past, past or present, yeah. yeah. Which you can't change or you can't control. Yeah. So the present moment is really important in health, but also, as uh, C.S. Lewis said, the present moment is the point in time which eternity touches. Mm -hmm. Oh, say that again, I like that. So the present moment is the point in time that eternity touches. So Jesus in Mark's Gospel talks about the right time, the opportune moment. So every present moment is pregnant with the possibility of meeting God. Um, and that's why it's so important uh, for Christians. And in the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis says, the job of the junior devil is to try and distract his human into the past or into the future out of the present moment. Mm. And modern life seems to be peculiarly good at distracting us. You know, on the train in this morning, everyone's checking their phone. They're either watching something or scrolling through their Facebook or whatever. We are very, very distracted in this age, aren't we? Yeah. So psychologists talk about continuous partial attention. So we can be watching TV. We have our iPad in front of us. We're looking at our phone. We've got music going. And obviously children, young people, very good at that as well. But it does mean, as you say, that we live very distracted lives often in a virtual world, not the real world. And in mindfulness, which is embodied awareness, coming to our senses, um, it's really healing to come back to that. Um, so I often say to people, how many senses do we have? And they say, well, traditionally five. But neuroscientists say we have eight senses. So our sixth sense is paying attention to our body. You know, I know that uh, the back of my neck is hurting or whatever. Our seventh sense is we can access our thoughts and feelings. And our eighth sense is a relational one. We can pick up other people's thoughts and feelings. But I would say there's a ninth sense, which is an awareness of the presence of God. Mm. And when we come into God's presence, actually all the senses are resonating with being in the presence of the one who made us. Um, and that's what awe, reverence, wonder, the fear of God is really about. Sean Lambert is the Senior Minister of Stanmore Baptist Church in North London uh, and also the author of a book of Sparks, which is a look at Christian mindfulness. And uh, we've just been talking about what mindfulness is, but now we're going to ask a little bit more about wh what it does for us and how we can have a Christian approach to it. Uh, there's also a big article in this month's Christianity magazine about, uh, what, does, what do they call it, the lost art of Christian mindfulness. Um, but it talks about some people saying they've been suggested maybe uh, to practice mindfulness by their 
their GP perhaps, but actually feeling like, oh gosh, but is it some new age Buddhist thing? Can I touch that as a Christian? What's your response, Sean? Yeah, so John Kabat-Zinn, he was the doctor in the States who pioneered mindfulness in Western medicine in the 70s, said saying uh, mindfulness is Buddhist is a bit like saying gravity is British because Isaac Newton discovered it. So mindfulness is like gravity. It's there for everybody. We all have awareness and attention. It's part of who we are. Now, we're trained in the West to think ruminatively and rationally and critically and not really engage with awareness. Um, so it's something that we're learning through medicine, through psychotherapy, uh, to engage with it and realise that it has very healing properties for us. Mm. But does it have as many uh, Christian roots as it might have other spirituality roots? Yeah. So if um, I was helped yesterday by your programme talking about worry in the morning because I have worry and anxiety. So I found that very helpful. Um, and the passage he talked about was um, in Matthew 6, when Jesus said, do not worry. Now, interestingly, in the Greek, the original bit of the New Testament, that's present continuous tense. So what Jesus is saying is don't get in a state of worrying continuously. Mm. So he knows you're going to worry, but we get into this state where we worry continuously and it becomes a habit, it becomes automatic. So Jesus is a great psychologist. He recognizes we will worry because we're human beings. So our brain is three to five times more sensitive to negative information than it is to positive information. So it's like Velcro, negative thoughts stick um, and positive thoughts slide out. So if I gave you nine compliments and one criticism, you would only remember the criticism. Well, it depends. Do you know, I'm more and more convinced I get older. This partly depends on how you've been brought up. If, if you know, if you've had struggles and difficulties and, and, and you've had your um, sense of worth knocked as a child, then when you grow up, you do think like that. Um, I, I think, I mean, I was very blessed to have parents who were so supportive. And, if, uh, and negative criticisms generally sort of bounce off me. But it, I, I know other people that, that, mm. are, that are not in that situation and, and they don't. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. How we're treated as children, if we're given love and compassion and security, that is what develops the upstairs brain, if you like. Um, the part of our brain that is emotional, that's empathic, that's relational, that feels secure. Mm. Um, so that's a fantastic example of how love can change your brain so that you are more resilient uh, towards negative stuff than yeah. other folk. Um, Gail has uh, written to us this morning, says, I'm practicing mindfulness, just get through each day due to extreme emotional pain. It does help, as does my closeness to God at this time. However, I find that if I'm practicing it, I am not being it. It is cumulatively exhausting. Only when I'm unmindful of my thoughts in a certain activity do I feel truly alive any advice do you understand that yeah I think Thanks, um, what she's saying is when we face difficult emotional pain it is very tiring but it is still a good thing to do um, now she may be doing other things as well so she may be talking to a doctor she may be seeing a counsellor so there are all sorts of strands that we can add to mindfulness paying attention to our bodies eating well trying to sleep well all of those things um, and I think having somebody to talk to would be brilliant as well so I don't know if she's doing those things but I would say have all of those strands as well but she's highlighting facing our emotions is difficult it's a very helpful point good 
Ada's also been in touch. She says, I'm a Christian. I was introduced to mindfulness through the mental health charity Mind. Uh, it's really helped me get over or deal with nine years of depression. Uh, she says, I found it amazing, especially uh, the breathing techniques. Uh, the only thing I, I would change, and, uh, and the only thing she does change, is kind of holding on to the negative emotions. She lets those go quite quickly. And she says, during the breathing in and out, uh, I say, Holy Spirit of God, take more of me and give me more of you. So she sort of brought in mm. um, some, some Christian sort of prayer into that as well. Uh, and that's one thing I think um, you've, you've got a lot of stuff to, to, to help us with is helping us re-engage with some of those perhaps more ancient Christian practices that are, that are very akin to mindfulness. Talk us through some of those. Yeah. So if you go back to that um, passage about not worrying or not worrying continuously, one of the things that Jesus says is consider the birds of the air. But what we don't realize is that is an ancient practice, contemplative practice from the Psalms. Okay. Um, so uh, consider is not a casual looking, it's a contemplative looking, it's about being attentive Re- and aware. Reflect on, yeah. Yeah, reflect on. And in Psalm 8, the psalmist says, when I consider the work of your hands. Um, so that, again, was a meditative practice. And the psalm was a meditation that came out of a meditative practice. Um, so what Jesus is saying there is not a casual thing. It's not, oh, aren't the flowers sweet or the birds sweet? He's saying, no, meditate on those things. Now, the psalmist in Psalm 8 realizes that God is mindful of us. What is humankind mm. that you are mindful of them? Um, and Jesus says the same thing. If you look at something small like a flower for a while, you begin to realize, actually, God cares for the flower and he also cares for me. So it shifts our perception and our position. Um, But because he was a psychologist, um, something else happens that's really important. So worry and anxiety is in our narrative mind where we tell ourselves stories and worry ourselves to death. Um, When we are asked to look at a flower or the birds of the air, we have to do that through our senses, what they call our experiential self. And that is healing. So Jesus is saying, step out of your ruminative mind, your worrying, and just come to your senses and just look at nature and creation because that's a window to God. And as you look at creation, you begin to be aware that God is mindful of us. Hmm. Are, are there are there strands of the, the Catholic Church which are well ahead of the Protestants in terms of contemplative prayer? They've preserved... Uh, contemplative tradition, as has the Orthodox Church, as has strands of the Anglican Church, and they are more attached to the history where it all began. Uh, So the very first contemplatives began pretty much soon after, um, you know, Jesus and the Apostles were around because they took Jesus' words very seriously. So one of the things that Jesus taught in Mark's Gospel was watchfulness, which is our equivalent of mindfulness. Mm. So he says, you know, in the present moment, look out for the signs of the times. Look out for the future of the kingdom of heaven breaking into the present. Um, the kingdom of uh, God is at hand, it's near, and it's by focusing on the present moment that you become aware of that. Uh, so they took those words very seriously, and it was the hallmark of being a disciple in the early church. But in today's church, we focus on information. <laughs> Watchfulness is not talked about uh, as the heart of being a disciple, and I think it needs to be restored. 
And talking uh, some of our ancient uh, prayers, written prayers, are useful ways. Uh, people have been talking, particularly in this article in Christianity magazine, about using the, the Jesus Prayer. Mm-hmm. Are there those and others that we can use? Yeah. So the Jesus Prayer is one that I use. That I, when I was stressed, anxious, very close to burnout, I discovered it sort of leapt off a shelf at me. The book by a guy called Simon Barrington Ward, and I found it incredibly helpful. So that's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we say Lord Jesus Christ on our in-breath and say have mercy on me, a sinner, on our out-breath. So using the breath, it's embodied, and sometimes you can use a prayer rope as well uh, each time you say the prayer. And that keeps the rational part of your brain occupied and allows your mind to still and become aware of God. Could, Could you give us an example of a meditative prayer? Yeah, I'll take us through a prayer of compassion that's based on Paul's experience of meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we can pray for ourselves, our friends and family, a stranger. So on the tube, I was praying it for a stranger who looked sad. Uh, We can pray for our enemy, this prayer. So it's just three short phrases that I'll say and you repeat in your heart uh, as you're listening. And if you want to, just put your hand on your heart as you say it because this is an embodied prayer. May the love of Christ take hold of me. May the light of Christ shine in my heart. May the love of Christ flow through me like a river. And then if you think of friends and family, just picture them. May the love of Christ take hold of them. May the light of Christ shine in their heart. May the love of Christ flow through them like a river. And I pray that for my children and family every day. But a stranger, somebody you notice on a bus, on the tube. May the love of Christ take hold of them. May the light of Christ shine in their heart. May the love of Christ flow through them like a river. And when I have a difficult meeting, I pray it for the people I'm meeting. May the love of Christ take hold of them. May the light of Christ shine in their heart. May the love of Christ flow through them like a river. And then we come full circle back to ourselves, hand on our hearts. May the love of Christ take hold of me. May the light of Christ shine in my heart. May the love of Christ flow through me like a river. What other ways can we sort of uh, join mindfulness to our Christian faith? Yes, Alexio Divina, which is literally divine reading, it's just a slow meditative reading of scripture. And I came across that at, from the monks at Worth Abbey, where Father Christopher Jameson oh, right. uh, is, yeah. is based. And um, at one point, every Christian used to pray in this way. So they had a very high view of scripture. So they would read it repeatedly, but in a loving, reverential, slow way. Um, and it comes out of Psalm 1, you know, the um, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Mm-hmm. That is basically what Lexia Divina is. Uh, and I find it really helpful. But what we can do with it is exercise a very flabby muscle that we all have, which is the muscle of attention. Um, so we focus uh, our attention on scripture. Now our mind wanders. Most of the time we don't notice that it has wandered. But if we learn to be mindful, we can notice that it has wandered. So normally to what we're worried about, we notice that, we let that worry go, 
and we come back to Scripture. And in this way, we begin to still our minds and we begin to listen to God. So Paul said in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. And people say to me, well, I can't offer endless intercessions, you know, to God. But it's not about that. It's about listening to God and then we can intercede. Mm -hmm. So Lexio Divina enables us to listen to God, become aware of his presence. Often he just wants to embrace us and tell us, how much he loves us. So that's a brilliant So do you just one. take a verse and just sort of chew it over during the day? How do we do it practically? Yeah, you could take a psalm. They're brilliant for uh, doing that with little passages from the Gospels. Now, I often stay with a passage the whole week. Right. So I sometimes think we pay attention to too many passages and then somebody says, well, what have you been reading? And five minutes later, you can't remember. And the root word of being mindful in Scripture is about remembering. So that's what we're trying to do. But it's a different sort of remembering. It's a living memory uh, where the word actually is in our hearts and it dwells within us. And as it dwells within us, it comes to our memory at important times and helps us. So that's just one of them. We've had a few uh, tweets in today. Uh, Wonky Warrior says uh, we've got two traumatised adopted teens uh, who cause us angst and experience their own angst, no doubt as well. Uh, mindfulness helps us and it sits happily with our Christian faith, he or she says. And uh, this one, uh, anonymously, uh, agree meditation has to be focused on God. A non-Christian neighbour of mine enthused about mindfulness and the difference it had made to him. Then over months he had many hard, very hard times, ended up having to give up his home a broken man his father's a pastor i witnessed to him the lord reached out to him lost touch with him now but i know god will not let him go um, says this person so uh, a mixture of things are uh, in in there um and uh, another person says prayer changes us so we see others in the love of christ and i suppose mindfulness does help us to to focus on others. I mean, I'm, I'm, I used to be terrible. I got a bit better. I used to be terrible at being distracted. People would start talking to me and my mind would immediately start wandering and I'd, I'd be looking away. And, and I, I got told off it a number of times. Um, a lot of us have that kind of butterfly mind, if you like. Yeah. So our mind wanders all the time. But what is interesting, we did that compassion meditation, which is self-compassion. But when they do brain imaging studies, when you do that, it also lights up the part of your brain that is compassionate for others. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he was saying something very important. So if we do offer ourselves compassion, we are then able much more to offer others compassion. But we are often um, very worried. We think that's self-indulgent. Um, and a lot of the time, people are beating themselves up behind the scenes, saying all sorts of negative, critical things about themselves. And we need to become aware of those and let them go. And what the early church came up with was what they called clear seeing. So we are not to judge ourselves critically and negatively, but to see clearly. Hmm. And that's very important. I'm sure this will have sparked, I mean, just, just from the texts and emails that we've had this morning, sparked a lot of thoughts in people. How can people find out more or begin exploring this for themselves or stay in touch with you? Yeah, so um, obviously they can read uh, a book of Sparks. They can go on my website, um, Premier Mind and Soul. Uh, it's a brilliant uh, website. They have a whole lot of resources on mindfulness. And they're doing an article tomorrow uh, on mindful self-compassion and loving your neighbour as yourself. Um, so that's brilliant. I've got some free podcasts that will introduce them uh, as well. Um, so there's lots of resources out there now that they can 
access. And getting hold of your book? Yep, so most Christian bookshops, uh, Amazon, Kindle uh, and paperback. Mm. Sean Lambert's been absolutely lovely um, having you on the show this morning. Thank you for taking us through mindfulness. And of course, there's more in this month's Christianity as well. Inspirational Breakfast, Premier Christian Radio. Every-